you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 112th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour and discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports, one word, dot com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as the events that I attended. And also in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. My highlight of the week was covering the newly named... American Athletic Conference Football Media Day down in Newport, Rhode Island. This is the conference that was formerly known as the Big East. And as many of you know, the Big East branched off and will keep its name in basketball. But in football, it's a a new day and it will be called the American Athletic Conference. Uh, It's... Very impressive media day, as it has been the past two years. Certainly nothing has changed there. And uh, a couple new members with the likes of uh, SMU joining the fold. So it's become much more far-flung. University of Houston as well. Memphis. So a lot of new faces. Some of the old faces have gone. Uh, Syracuse, West Virginia, to name a few. So in the evolving college football landscape, uh, things are changing, as well we know. And I can't think of a better way to start the show uh, than new commissioner Mike Oresco talking about the new American Athletic Conference. reflected this that we're here to celebrate the fact that we've done we've come through a lot we've stabilized we've got a good optimistic group we don't know down the road what this you know the you know, college landscape is going to look like as I said I'm not a prophet but we have done a lot to stabilize things to make sure that we can be a serious player you know we got the Catholic seven thing results that we could launch this year imagine if we weren't launching this year mm-hmm. we would still have you'd be still talking about that and, and you know everybody would be they'd have to they'd be saying you know what's going to happen when that all happens and, you know how are they going to get this thing settled and it might have dragged out the discussions well we set a pretty tight time frame but it forced us to get it done and we could relaunch our conference with a new name which people like and i've gotten a lot of you know great remarks about that people love our logo uh we now have a chance you know we've got uh, ecu coming in in all sports uh, we've got tulsa coming in uh, we've obviously got Tulane coming in we've got navy coming in eventually we'll have a championship game we had to get the tv deal done uh, the tv deal doesn't have the level of revenue that we want we know that it's enough though it's more than other conferences have and because of all the other revenue we had in our conference we'll be fine initially and we 
we're hoping to renegotiate as we prove our value. You know, we also know we have to do innovative things. We play Friday nights. This conference gets a, gets a chance to show what it can do on those nights, and people watch us. And ESPN, I think they showed up in force here. Uh, they were very supportive, and I'm going to go over there later in August and talk about what we're doing. So the pieces are in place, that, and they, a lot of people in January really doubted that necessarily that we could put the thing, you know, pieces in place. Our basketball, we're very optimistic about that. Got a great venue in Memphis, got a great venue in Mohegan, um, got a lot of good teams. We got Larry Brown at SMU, you know, aside from our, our, uh, you know, our core teams. Got other people who are, who are looking hard at the RPI, trying to figure out what we need to do to get some of our 21 teams into the tournament. UCF was a 21 team. The pieces are in place. It's up to us. I just want you guys to all give us a chance to write about us in a way that reflects what we you know, what we really are, that we've got some good schools in very important markets. You know, we really do. And if SMU has success, Dallas embraces SMU. If Houston has success, Houston embraces. You know, these two Florida schools, the UCF has the second biggest enrollment in the country next to Arizona State. And they're in great markets. They're in Florida. Uh, and we got great teams around and our footprint's consolidated enough now so that, you know, nobody's talking about going, you know, thousands of miles and we think that uh, it's all in place. We need- well, and as you could plainly hear, the new commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, very impressive and uh, I think uh, the new conference is going to be just fine and one of their teams, UConn, and Coach Paul Pasqualoni, been around, former coach of Syracuse, now head coach at UConn. Uh, as Mike Oresco mentioned, uh, they're going to be playing some big-time games, and UConn is hosting Michigan on September 21st up in Connecticut. But uh, listening to Coach Pasqualoni was interesting and jolted me right back into the reality of football, uh, listening to a... Uh, a uh, long-time hardcore football coach. Uh, it was terrific. So here's Coach Pasqualoni talking about his team. Each position as to what's required for them to become the best player they can become. Okay? And I want the high school coaches and the players in the state of Connecticut to be confident that the University of Connecticut is the best place for them to go to get that done. And they can become anything they want to become, everything they want to do in their academic and athletic career, they can do at Connecticut. And we can be the best. Because it's all about being the best. Everywhere I've ever been, I promise you, at Penn State, it was about being the best. At Syracuse, it was about being the best. You work for the Cowboys and the Dolphins, you better believe it's about being the best. Okay? The University of Connecticut, it's no different. It's about being the best. And look at what Geno's done. Look at what Jim Calhoun has done there. Okay? Their program, their programs are the best. Okay? Is there any... And that was UConn coach Paul Pasqualoni talking about uh, his hopes for his Huskies. And uh, if that doesn't get you excited for football, listening to uh, his emphasis uh, on what he hopes to accomplish, uh, nothing will. And really the star of the show was uh, uh, University of Cincinnati uh, and their Heisman candidate, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, if you saw the coaches poll that just came out uh, the other day, uh, Cincinnati is rated ninth, top ten, right from the American Athletic Conference. So uh, 
They have high hopes out there in Ohio. And here is Teddy Bridgewater talking about his three receivers. It's a, it's a quarterback's dream, you know, to have guys who you can just throw the ball out there to and they'll make something happen. And um, each guy brings something different to the table. What's Damian bringing to the table? Uh, he's, he's the most dependent receiver we have, you know, the most reliable receiver. You know, uh, he's consistent with his route running. You know, he's very detailed also. But Devontae? You know, Devontae, he's just... He's the freak show <laughs> where he can uh, jump out the gym, jump out the stadium, you know, make that acrobatic catches. Uh, he has that big playability. He, he calls himself Spider-Man. So, you know, that says it all. But Eli, too. Eli, he's that, you know, that uh, in-between guy, you know, where uh, he's very elusive, very quick. And he, he's been reliable. I believe he's like second in the country and third down receptions or something like that. So, you know, he's proven, you know, his his role in the offense. I said Louisville, but I, of course, or I said Cincinnati, but I, of course, meant Louisville and Coach uh, Charlie Strong's Cardinals. So, again, top 10 in the country, put it at number nine. And their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, is uh, rated as one of the top Heisman candidates going on. So once again, American Athletic Conference, newly named. Should be fun watching them this year. And uh, next year they're going to be adding others, as you heard Mike Caresco say, the new commissioner. And sticking with football, that brings us to our low light of the week, which is Riley Cooper's racial slur that has been getting nonstop coverage since it uh, came out on Wednesday. And I had written down in my notes for the show a couple hours ago that uh, I just could see no way that Riley Cooper could remain with the team. He would just be too big of a distraction, especially for first-year coach Chip Kelly. Lo and behold, within the past hour, uh, breaking news that he will be leaving the team for counseling, effective immediately. And so he will not be with the team for the foreseeable future. And... It was interesting with all the, you know, his explanation of what he said, his apologies, the acceptance of his apologies by some of his teammates like Michael Vick. Uh, But, you know, all that was well and good. But then yesterday, uh, you know, out on the practice field, it was awkward, period. Clearly awkward for everybody involved. And I think it just became obvious that, you know, he could no longer uh, just be with the team, and that is indeed the case. My bizarre story of the week is Major League Baseball's ridiculous handling of the steroid suspensions, uh, the waiting game that they seem to be playing, which is allowing the media nationwide to talk nonstop about how dirty their sport is. I don't understand it for the life of me. I know they want to get it right, but to let this fester and fester over the course of the last few weeks since the Ryan Braun suspension is just uh, doing more harm than good is the best way I can say it. Of course, A-Rod is the, at the top of the list, and we'll see what happens there. Already the records in baseball have been rendered meaningless, much like track and cycling. Uh, it's time for them to end it, implement the suspensions, and just try to move on. 
So the media day for the American Athletic Conference was not my only events of the week. It was a very busy week, covered two other events, and one was the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship uh, media day where we got to play the course, TPC Norton, right outside Boston. My third year in a row doing that. Fabulous experience, as always. And uh, this year, Tiger Woods Foundation, which has always been the uh, benefactor, if you will, beneficiary of the the uh, Deutsche Bank Championship, uh, they are now taking a more active role in running the tournament. And uh, here is Tiger Woods Foundation CEO Greg Mc- Greg McLaughlin talking about the uh, the tournament. Number two, uh, which is uh, pretty exciting, it's, uh, back to the old days of 2003-2004 when Phil and Tiger were battling it out. So we're uh, thinking that this year's championship is uh, is going to be as exciting as last year when Rory uh, beat Rory and beat Tiger, kind of coming down the stretch. Uh, we're expecting all four major winners as well as uh, a full field of complement of professionals. Uh, we're going to have Webb Simpson, 2011 champion, in a couple minutes. It's uh, going to do a little Q&A uh, with us, so we're happy to have him. Rory had a little conflict. He's flying from um, UK to Akron, uh, but he's going to join us on Wednesday. I think most of you guys are aware that we're going to do a little call uh, with Rory, and uh, Rachel can give you some of those details as we kind of get a little bit into it. Uh, as I said, the foundation's involvement uh, began in 2003. Uh, this past year, we assumed management and control, really working with the existing staff here, uh, which is an exciting thing for us, really, to increase the presence and responsibility that we have in the tournament. Uh, a couple tournament highlights we wanted to share with you. I think everybody hopefully got the media kit, but there are a couple of key things. And the tournament highlights that Greg McLaughlin was talking about was uh, things such, the pro, such as the Pro-Am Day on Thursday. They always do a nice military day. They do a college colors day. So it's a very creatively done tournament. It's become a New England-Boston tradition for Labor Day weekend. It is the only PGA tournament that ends on a Monday. It ends on Monday, Labor Day. It's part of the FedEx Cup playoff series. So it's just a great take. And again, this past uh, this past Monday's media day was also well done. And you heard uh, Greg McLaughlin talk about Webb Simpson. And uh, he did indeed call in during the uh, press conference. And it was interesting. A lot of talk with uh, Hunter Mahan. Exiting the tournament last Saturday with a 36-hole lead to be at his wife's side. She was pregnant with their first child, delivering. And you'll remember that it was Webb Simpson who created really quite a stir, one of the originals uh, trailblazers in this area, where after winning the U.S. Open in 2012, last summer at Olympic in San Francisco, his wife was pregnant and he chose not to go to the British Open, uh, which was the next major after the U.S. Open that he won. So here's what he had to say, and who better than him, on Hunter Mahan leaving the tournament last Saturday with a 36-hole lead. A guy's playing great golf, um, probably the best of the year in the lead and, uh, and leaves the tournament. I mean, I think, um, I think everyone 
everyone understood and everyone applauded him. I mean, I thought it was a great, a great thing he did. I mean, uh, as good of a player as he is, he's going to have to leave 36 to leave many more times. Um, and my, the question about that, I, I definitely think she would have called because she knows how mad I would have been if she didn't call me. Um, but I know that if it was 54 holy, she just try to hold it off as long as possible. <laughs> And as you can tell, Webb Simpson, who I've had the pleasure uh, of attending a few of his news conferences now over the past few years covering tournaments, a uh, very likable guy, to say the least. Certainly one you can root for. He won the Deutsche Bank uh, a couple years ago in a dramatic, dramatic finish. And uh, so, again, hard to believe it's August. The Deutsche Bank will be at the end of this month and uh, sure to be another great week here in Boston. And the other event that I attended this past week was the WNBA All-Star Game down at Mohegan Sun. Fabulous event. Uh, the best women's basketball players in the world were there. And uh, the MVP of the game was Candace Parker. And here's what Candace had to say after the game, particularly being in enemy territory in Connecticut. She, of course, played for Tennessee and Tennessee and UConn are bud rivals, so here's Candace Parker. I question earlier. Um, I think it, it, it is good for the sport. Um, you know, when you think of the NBA, you think of Boston and Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, you know, same thing with football, same thing with hockey. You have these rooted rivalries. And, um, you know, it's people that I haven't even met that are Connecticut fans that just despise me just because I wore orange. And I happen to be in that, you know, country right now, but, um, and it's the same thing, like, I have Tennessee fans that come up to me and just tell me how much they despise UConn, and they've never even met a UConn player, so I think it's important just from that sense that you have that rivalry, you have that identity, you have that separation, and it's more talk about it, and it helps women's basketball. And trust me, it all translates, uh, when UConn, Tennessee, and some of the other great rivalries are, uh, you know, making news, creating, uh, you know, creating a lot of airtime, then that leads right into uh, the WNBA because these players graduate and head into there. And another legend from UConn this time that also spoke after the uh, All-Star Game, and she was Candace Parker's teammate for the All-Star Game, was Diana Taurasi, former UConn legend. And that was Diana Taurasi talking, of course, about uh, her hopes that UConn and Tennessee will resume their rivalry and start playing each other again. And before the game, uh, WNBA Commissioner Laurel Ritchie was on and talking about the topics that are currently uh, topping the agenda at the WNBA. Here's Commissioner Laurel Ritchie. 
sports entity, that um, our goal is to um, bring more and more fans into our arenas to experience the level of play and the entertainment of being in a WNBA game. So we look at um, our attendance figures, which are heading in the right direction. Uh, we look at our sponsor and partner numbers, and those are heading in the direction. So we just want to continue on that trajectory. Uh, in terms of expansion, my focus right now is on the 12 teams that we have and making sure that they are um, as strong as they can possibly be. And I hear a lot from fans this season about how exciting it is because all 12 teams have really interesting stories and are doing really interesting things on the court. So um, expansion, I would say that it is in the future, but I have not put a date and I haven't put a number on it. Um, with respect to player salaries, um, as all of you know, we are. this is the year that we will go back into um, partnership with the union to come up with our next agreement, and so I'm going to leave all questions relating to the collective bargaining to that process. I'm excited about the process. I look forward to partnering with players and with the union uh, to come out on the other side with an agreement that bodes well for the long-term health of the league. And that was WNBA Commissioner Laurel Ritchie talking during All-Star Game weekend down in Connecticut uh, about some of the topics uh, that are hot today in uh, the WNBA. So now, as my former co-host, Lamont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And up next will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. 
Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Doing great. Had a had a great week, and was it was good to see you. Yes, we both had a great week. I talked about the two events that we attended and covered together, uh, which of course was the WNBA All Star Game, as well as the American Athletic Conference Football Media Day. You and I were both there at both events, and uh, just to continue with our end of the first segment there. Uh, why don't we just start with the WNBA All-Star Game, and uh, what were your thoughts? I thought it was a great great event, very festive. Yeah, it was, John. That that facility and that venue uh, is pretty much sold out, and the yes. fans were excited to see, you know, Diana Trossi come back and, and Candace Parker and, and Tina Thompson for the last time, and, and Candace Parker ended up with the MVP, so I think the fans got their money's worth, and, and everybody had an enjoyable time. It was a great time, and uh, again, it was won by the West and Candace Parker and Diana Taurasi on that team, 102-98. to 98. It, Indeed, Mohegan Sun Arena was banged out at over 9,000 fans, great facility. And really, just uh, as someone who covers the Sun on a regular basis, so I'm down there often over the last two, three years, I don't know, I, I've never seen an electricity either at a game or throughout the entire Mohegan Sun Casino Complex, like I saw last Saturday. It was just, uh, you, you know, people from everywhere were there, and it was really just an electric atmosphere all day, all night long. It was terrific. Yeah, their staff does an excellent job engaging the fans, and I've never been to a game where someone didn't say, you know, I really enjoyed not only the play of the, of, on the court, but the experience of being in sitting down and, and you know listening to all the music and all the different people that come around and and uh, so, so it's always a good 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 thing for people. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, as I've been saying on this radio show for the better part of uh, three years now, it's a great take. You know, the WNBA, particularly at Mohegan Sun Arena, the Connecticut Sun. Uh, you know, that basically they just put on, a, you know, a very good product. Clearly, it's one of the anchor franchises of the league. And 
uh, it was just great to see an all-star game there because, uh, you know, I can't think of a better place to host it. I think it's the third one they've hosted there overall. And after last Saturday, I can see why. I'm sure there'll be more in the future. Yeah, I could see them rotating it to different cities because you want to give other communities an opportunity to showcase uh, their, you know, their product and their arenas. But I would think it would always come back to that Mohegan because, you know, you can do so many things on a weekend at that facility besides, you know, watching the basketball game. Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah, it really is. It was just, you know, a wonderful way to spend a July weekend and uh, just a terrific time. And speaking of, you know, wonderful places, you and I also had the pleasure of going to the newly named American Athletic Conference Football Media Day in uh, a very nice place, Newport, Rhode Island, to put it mildly. And of course, one of the nicer places in Newport is the Viking Hotel, where uh, the media day was staged. It's the third year in a row that I've been there, and they held it at the Viking. And it's really uh, uh, one of my highlights of the summer. There's no other way to say it. Uh, high energy, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, totally immersed in football. And for me, it just kind of kicks off the football season in late July, early August, and gets my head into the game, so to speak. You know, John, we were part of something that's brand new. Brand new, exactly. You know, they have the chance to write their script from day one. You know, they're not carrying forward any of those Big East records. That I, I don't believe so. So everything that's going to be accomplished from here on out will be a, a new conference record. And, you know, they have teams from two of the football hotbeds, you know, Texas and Florida. You have you know, Houston and SMU, Central Florida and South Florida. You have Connecticut, uh, you know, all these other teams I think are going to form a good league. And uh, you heard Mike Oresco. I told people I think 95% of the chips are moved to the center of the table, and the gamble is they're betting that they can compete and win their share of games against the so-called Power Five. Well, that's exactly right. Well, first and foremost, I know you know Mike, and uh, we're nice enough to introduce me to him, and he was terrific, you and I were among a small group of reporters who had the chance to really uh, talk to Mike for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and really get, uh, you know, his thoughts on the new conference. Uh, again, it's brand new, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I have the feeling we're going to look back on a few years and say, you know, I remember the day that conference began, and that was, of course, <laughs> Monday and Tuesday in Rhode Island. And, uh yeah, he's you know he he's just an impressive guy. He has the energy. I played uh, one of his audio clips at the uh, to open the show with. That's how impressed I was with him. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting, you know. And you know they still have that northeast roots, you know. And even though they've clearly you know expanded geographically, to put it mildly, <laughs> yeah. you know they'll always be. They are and always will be. You know. Uh, rooted in the Northeast with schools like Temple, you know, that Philadelphia market. So what that means, of course, is media coverage. And there's no more concentrated media coverage in this country than the Northeast United States. And uh, so I think they're starting off from a position of strength right there. I really do, because let's face it, in this day and age, it really is about media, you know, coverage, uh 
obviously they're in ESPN's backyard, to put it mildly. We got, you know, Michigan coming September 21st to play UConn uh, in Hartford. And, you know, uh, so there's a lot to work with. Uh, They've had some tough times. The realignment has been incredible for really every school, every conference, college football in general. But I certainly like the American Athletic Conference uh, Conference's future, to say the least. John, if they can register some big wins, I mean, it's going to be games that are played early in the day. It's not like you're you're out in Hawaii and, you, and you're trying to gain recognition. You know, most of the people go, going to bed. I mean, if UConn can upset, you know, let's say in Michigan, the media is right there in Connecticut. It's going to be splashed on through the entire afternoon and evening that they defeated a Big Ten power. So, you know, they're located in these metropolitan areas that have hordes of media, so they have a great opportunity to, uh, you know, build a successful league, I believe. But it's all dependent upon winning on the field, your share of games. You don't have to win all of them, but you, you can't have these blowouts where, you know, three and four touchdowns and everybody just, you know, their perception of you as a league that can't compete remains. You have to change that paradigm, and the only way you can is on the field. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the media market, the, the, the schools they've added come from media markets, uh, as Mike Oresco articulated, you know, SMU in Dallas, Houston, obviously in Houston, you know. When those schools are good, those are, you know, they may not be northeast media markets, but they're big media markets. They're next year's two lanes coming in. Mm-hmm. Then Navy, you know, Tulane is New Orleans. Navy is not just Annapolis. More importantly, it's Washington and Baltimore together. Right. And massive markets, and not to mention just the cachet of the U.S. Naval Academy being part of your conference. That's that's breaking new ground there. That's a big one, I think. I think that's really going to play because, obviously, there's a worldwide, literally worldwide following. It- yeah, and you, and you could generate a lot of publicity with, with a, a few wins, especially early in the season. You know, most of those non-conference games are early in the season. And then once you have that attention, then if you go about winning the rest of your game, then you're talking about getting into that BCS. And, and that's a be a good springboard for the playoff system down the road. And all those conference commissioners, they can't dis- dismiss you so easily if you beat some of their teams. And so I think it's a you know outstanding you know opportunity for all these teams this year, especially this year, right before the college football playoff system begins. And they actually have some good tie-ins to bowls as well, Mike. You know, a couple of SEC tie-ins, uh, uh, ACC. So even in the postseason, they can demonstrate that they belong. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you're absolutely right about uh, it's all about wins. And, you know, you win first and all all else will follow. And what I found interesting were, you know, some of the coaches in that league. I mean, it was pretty neat to watch Tommy Tuberville, recently <laughs> of Auburn, come strolling to the stage. And, you know, he's now uh, coaching in the league. And then there was, of course, June Jones, formerly of Hawaii and the Falcons, you, you know, these are huge names. June Jones, of course, is well-known quarterback guru. These are huge, huge names, to say the least. And, uh, 
you know, long-time college football, uh, you know, icons, if you will, in, in their own right. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, these are going to be, uh, you, you know, college football is about the coaches. So with coaches like this, Paul Pasqualoni included, uh, you, you know, they could go far. Charlie Strong down at Louisville, very impressive to say the least. And you have George O'Leary. He's won at Georgia Tech years ago, and so he's he's another one to add in that mix. Uh, you know, you, and, and John, you had Teddy Bridgewater on there as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yep, that should bring a lot of spotlight to those games, and and Louisville could be a team uh, if they're lucky enough to win all their games. Maybe they get to that BCS championship game, even though they're leave, leaving. It's still. You know, what they will have done in that league uh, will help the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, especially if it's very competitive against all those other teams. And Louisville ends up in that championship game and does well. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, the, the, that's their best-case scenario where Louisville, as we both saw, rated number nine in the country in the coaches' pool that just came out. Teddy Bridgewater, an impressive young man, I think you'll agree. You and I both were you know, face-to-face with him interviewing him. I, I liked what I saw and heard. Yeah, I did too, uh, John. He, he's an impressive young fellow, as you said, and he's talented, and he seems really cool. <laughs> he does. He does. Very likable. And so just to continue my thought, so, you know, if Louisville comes through with uh, – Undefeated season or close to it, maybe one loss season. Teddy Bridgewater is the leading Heisman candidate. Maybe he wins it in December down at uh, Downtown Athletic uh, Club. And maybe, be, you know, they're playing in a BCS Bowl and, you know, who knows, maybe the national championship game. That's the ultimate for the American Athletic Conference. That would just be the Grand Slam home run to launch that conference right then and there. I mean... Let's not forget, a year ago, you know, nobody knew Johnny Manziel and, you know, Texas A&M wasn't considered a player. And look what happened to them. So, you know, it can happen, as we both know, in college football of all sports. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, it's almost like University of Texas, you're saying, what, you know, where is that school now that A&M's on the, on the radar? You can't get enough of those Aggies. Well, exactly right. And, you know, if I had one take home from last year's U.S. Army All-American Bowl, the high school all-star game that I work at in San Antonio the past few years, my take home was far and away. Everybody seemed like they were going to Texas A&M, all the all the top recruits, literally the best 90 players in the country. And it just looked like it was, you know, Texas A&M was recruiting them all is how it felt. So... Things can change in a hurry, as we know. Oh, no, you're right, John. And and just to get back at some of the teams that the conference will be contending against this year, I was just looking over the list, you know, Arkansas, BYU, Fresno State, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Penn State, South Carolina, TCU, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Those are all on the schedules of American Athletic Conference teams. Wow. Uh, opportunity is knocking. See what they can do with it. They need, yeah, you know, they just need to win a couple of those games, maybe more than a couple, and uh, you know, and then they're a player. They're on, they're on people's radar screen. Oh yeah, for sure. And 
it, it's it's funny that this is the year right before the college football playoffs. So, you know, you can't emphasize enough that you know how, the importance of this year in particular, because as things start to change down the road, I mean, we've heard all that talk about the division four, and if that does happen, Mike Oresco said, you know, he wants to change that power five to the big six. And, correct. Correct. And, and yeah. you know. Out of all those schools that are will be coming back, I think Connecticut is the only one who's in the top 50 for revenue, because you know Louisville will be going to the ACC and Rutgers will be to the Big Ten. So you're not going to give it in there with your revenue, I don't think. You know as much as your wins on the field. Well, that's exactly right. So, uh, well, it'll be underway before we know it, AP. So uh, can't wait. College football is here, and I'm sure we have. Lots more to talk about, but right now let's take our break and uh, get into some new subjects on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the third and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, AP Studham, Obama Magazine, and AP, uh, we were talking a little college football and men- mentioned the coaches poll that just came out, and 
No surprise, atop the pole at number one is the team that you cover, Alabama, Crimson Tide. So what were your thoughts on uh, the Tide being named number one preseason uh, and the poll in general? Yeah, John, I think Alabama was the team to beat. You know, they've had the consistency through the last three and four years. So there's no, like you said, no surprise. And I would have placed them number one, whether I was covering them or I wasn't. And then the, the second team I would have placed in there was Ohio State. You know, a team that's undefeated, has a, a national championship-type coach and Urban Meyer. That, that would have been my number two pick. And then uh, I believe I lo- would have looked to the West Coast, Stanford and Oregon. Oregon's number, they placed them number three. And Stanford, you could flip-flop those two. They'll, they'll um, work, that, work itself out when they play against each other. I think the game this year might be at Stanford. So we'll see what happens. But and and then you go down and you have a couple SEC teams, Georgia and Texas A&M and South Carolina, and then you know trailing those conferences, they have the ACC team, Clemson. But Clemson has a chance, John, if they can defeat Georgia that first game. Right. Uh, they they can change that dynamic. And and you know and then on the right behind Clemson, you have Louisville. And so those are some of the teams, you know, definitely the teams that I would, would have put in that top ten. Uh, Notre Dame is just outside the top ten. You know, they have a quarterback that's seasoned, but his f- main flaw, John, which is something that coaches preach about, you heard Paul Pascalone of UConn talking about turnovers. Well, he, you know, more likely to turn the ball over. So that that's one reason I wouldn't have had Notre Dame in the top ten. Um, and, and then you have – you know LSU, Oklahoma State, Texas. So some of the you know big time schools they're in the top twenty five. They have the talent. So it's up to them if they're going to you know defeat you know these teams on their schedule to move move up. Oh, absolutely. You know a lot of familiar faces. You know a uh, little juggling around as always. But uh, yeah, many of the schools that we're used to and. You know, I found it interesting to see Oregon up there, and I couldn't help but think, uh, seeing them no, number put in the top five, number one, and you may have seen all the reports, be it Sports Illustrated, did a big photo spread, and the ESPN showed a lot of, uh, had a lot of, you know, video of Oregon's new spectacular $69 million training facility built by Phil Knight, founder of Nike right out there in Oregon. It's it's just simply the nicest sports facility ever, period, end of story. There's no deny. It's just incredible. Right. Jaw-dropping right down to a barber shop, and, you know, <laughs> uh, the weight room wood is made out of, like, some Brazilian hardwood that's, like, the best in the world. It was just incredible. <laughs> but, you know, the... Here we are. They're they're top five with this brand new facility, and there's Chip Kelly. Uh, you know, dealing with his situation down in Philly, and I just couldn't help but wonder in the last forty eight hours what must be going through his mind. You know, with uh, you know, here he arrives at the NFL, and uh, the Riley Cooper situation explodes. There's no other word for it. Uh, what a what a weird week for Chip Kelly, don't you think? Yeah, he must be wondering, gee, what if I was there now? I'd be right on the cusp of maybe bringing this thing back to Eugene for the first time, and 
Now I have to national championship. All, you know, he has to contend with Riley Cooper. I know. It's just amazing how these things work out. Again, he, you know, he could he could be talking about the net winning the national championship, especially with two just studs with uh, Marcus Mariota and DeAnthony Thomas. I mean, these are the type of players that lead your team to a national championship. This brand new, again, jaw-dropping facility, unlike anything you've ever seen, you know, mixed in with those fabulous, bright, you know, Oregon colors and the design and everything. It's so space age. I've just never seen anything like it. And, uh, and instead he is just dealing with the distraction of distractions, you know, in week one of training camp, uh, you, you know, you, who, who can predict this stuff, right? No, no, you, you can't predict it, but, um, you know, I, I think he had a, you know, get out of town before the posse got to him. You know, they had NCAA sanctions, so he had that show cause. So that would have created another situation at Oregon. So maybe it was best that he left town and in pro ball now. But as you said, that distraction he has to contend with. I, I, maybe the only good thing you could say about it was it's before the season started. Correct, and you make a very good point. I had uh, uh, hadn't thought about his, you know, Getting out ahead of the sheriff, the NCAA arriving in uh, in town with their sanctions. So we've seen it before, haven't we? So yeah, this in Los Angeles, there Pete Carroll. Yep, went up to Seattle. So it's it's something that's been replayed. Indeed, it has. Uh, well, again, you know, it's just uh, great to have college football upon us, and you know, hard to believe that this week end as in 48 hours from now sunday night uh the first football game of sorts will be played the hall of fame game out in canton and induction tomorrow and and i myself am just you know particularly excited for bill parcells uh you know i listened to his hall of fame conference call a couple weeks ago played a clip or two here on the show um you know a huge Parcells fan. I've interviewed him for Armchair General Magazine. He changed everything here in New England. You know, we all think of, you know, obviously Bob Kraft and Drew Bledsoe, but it was the three of them, Bob Kraft, Drew Bledsoe. But in my mind, most importantly, it was Parcells, certainly on the football side, that resurrected and, in fact, brought for the first time uh, the NFL to New England, uh, and is now quite, in my mind, it's it's the biggest sport in New England now. They've surpassed the Red Sox by any standard, in my mind. Who would have thought that years ago, John? The, Correct. The, the Patriots would have surpassed the Red Sox, or even the Bruins, really. I know, I know, and it's not like these teams have, you know, fallen off the map in the last couple of decades. They've each won championships. Everybody has up here. Yeah. But, you know, I, again, Parcells, he's just, you know, his news conferences were just gold, the best ever, best <laughs> I've ever attended. And, you know, everybody up here just misses him so much, certainly from the media side. Uh, I bought Patriot season tickets the day after he was hired. Here, I hold them now. It's a 20-year anniversary <laughs> of me and thousands upon thousands of other people who bought them. Literally that that very week, uh, I didn't waste time. I literally bought them the day after, um, where they escorted me to my seat. 
in the old stadium and said, how do you like these two seats? I said, they'll work. They were 11th row at the goal line. I said, these are fine. And that was it. So that's how it was done. That's how, you know, uh, shall we say low level the operation was at that time. I, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say I'm probably one of the last people in NFL history, certainly Patriots history, that was escorted to a seat in an empty stadium to ask if uh, these seats were to my liking for a season ticket purchase. That's a true story. <laughs> that's funny. 1993. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a, that's a far cry from the uh, NFL now. Yeah, now they have a 50,000 waiting list for the Patriots uh, season ticket yeah. waiting list. But uh, Parcell, as you know, Johnny, is a transformative figure. He's a smart person and can motivate man, young man. And he's always been a winner wherever he's been. He's always improved the situation when he's left. Uh, you know, after he's left, it's been a better situation for that organization. And he knew talent and how to develop talent. And that's, that's the winning formula for any type of organization, any type of athletic organization or business. If you can evaluate talent, develop the talent, and, you know, select all the good lieutenants. And he had a ton of them with, you know, Tom Coughlin and Bill Belichick and, and a host of others. Sean Payton. That he's not too bad himself, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, you know, that that's the coaching tree, and and there's a lot more branches that we're missing, but uh, those three are quite the coaching tree to to put it mildly. What is it? Three, four, five, six. There are six Super Bowls with, with just with those three right there. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> people would would die to have one of his associates coach their team. Well, exactly, and. Uh, you know, he's just uh, the very clip I played from him from a couple of weeks ago when he talked, did his Hall of Fame news uh, phone, news phone conference uh, was, you know, how he motivated people. I mean, that's when I think of Parcells, that's what I think of is how he got people to play to the absolute best of their ability. And, and that was his, you know, his secret. And that plus the fact that he just brought that, you know, cutting jersey, you know, humor and personality to everything he did, which just, you know, made it must-watch viewing, appointment television, be it week, you know, weekday press conferences, post-game, whatever it was. He, he, you had to watch, and I'm, I, I will absolutely positively be uh, watching live tomorrow night when he does his acceptance speech for the Hall of Fame. You know, you got to listen when Parcells talks. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to watch him, John. And like you said, you didn't think of him as a strategist in the, along the lines of Bill Walsh or Sid Gilman or any of those types of people. He was strictly that rough and tough football coach who can motivate young men. Bingo. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's uh, football is upon us. It's good to, you know, kick it off. Uh, I know some people out at the Hall of Fame induction week, and it really is a week long uh, of activities right down to, you know, praise down Main Street in Canton and all that. It all culminates, of course, with the game on Sunday night. But, uh, yeah, it's a great way to kick it off, both, you know, on uh, on the NFL side, but it really, in in a manner of speaking, kind of ushers in the college the college football season as well as uh, just gets everybody's head instantly into it. 
Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be tuning in for the, the speeches and to listen to the game and all the festivities surrounding uh, the Hall of Fame game. Terrific. Well, hard to believe, AP. Uh, we've come to the end of another show, and as always, I'd like to thank uh, thank you for joining us today, AP. And My pleasure, I'll, John. And also... Uh, Thank everybody for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.